Let's go. Welcome back. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0, episode 18 of season one, the final episode of season one of the Wobcast 2.0, a giant disappointment as the Minnesota Vikings fall 31 to 24 in the wild card round of the playoffs, a disappointing end to what was a very exciting season. And we're here to talk about it. It's your host, Mike Wabshaw, Wabby with Giles, with Chase here to be your therapeutic resource to get you over this Vikings loss, uh, which as we said, was very disappointing, but there's an exciting off season ahead and the future is bright for your Minnesota Vikings heading into the 2023 off season and eventually the season. So uh, let's begin talking about all of that. We got to digest this loss to the giants and we got to look ahead to next season. So Giles and chase welcome in. I understand and expect that you're disappointed I'm excited to talk through this game because there's a few points that I really want to hit on and get your thoughts on. But um, generally speaking, how are we doing? You guys all right? We're doing all right. It was definitely right. a disappointing loss. Uh, I was hoping and had higher aspirations for the season once the season got going. Uh, definitely did a lot better in a lot of categories than I was expecting when you yep. look back at the beginning of the season. But definitely not where we wanted to end. But uh, I do believe there's a lot of uh, great things to look at at our team when we go into next season. Um, I think some uh, national spotlights think we're a one and done. We're going to be the Cardinals of last year. Uh, we had a great season the season before and we collapse. I don't predict that for the Vikings. I think there's a lot of great uh, core pieces that we can build around. Yep. There's definitely some pieces to fix. Um, you know, I, I uh, try to remove a lot of emotion from these things. When you look at this team from a logical perspective, there's a lot of things to like. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, Jason? you know, we could be in a in a lot worse position right now. Um, I think everyone's kind of claiming that all oh, Vikings are going to rebuild and Detroit's going to run the division. I don't know. I, I think we're in a, a lot better position than people say we are. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm hopeful for sure. Interesting, Chase, and we'll, we'll talk more about this um, in this show, but definitely in, in later shows. Detroit, I think, is something to talk about, guys. Yeah, like these got they got it going on. They're uh, they're looking good at a lot of positions. I don't know if they weren't the best team in the division. According you know? to their official social medias, they are the best team in the division, and they're entering the offseason as the best team in the division. All right. So. Well, I don't know if they should maybe go that far and talk about themselves in that way. But Neither do I. Yeah. Let, we have a better coach. Let's not get on <laughs> I this tangent. You've been here before. But, you know, they, they scored the same amount of points as the Vikings this year. They and, uh, they did very well offensively. Yeah. So With anyway. Jared Goff, mind you. Right. The guy exactly. Cousins. Right. So we'll talk about that later. Let's not yeah. get into that. We, we need to talk about this uh, loss to the New York Giants, and we're going to do that today. A familiar uh, script with an unfamiliar ending. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Also, though, later in the show, um, we'll, uh, we'll do an off-season preview for the Minnesota Vikings quickly, hit on what we think are going to be the main talkers and briefly preview those. We'll also preview what's to come in the Wobcast 2.0 here in season two, uh, and most notably in the off season, what you can expect from us. And then very quickly, we will preview the divisional round of the playoffs and get some predictions. All right, guys, a familiar script for the Minnesota Vikings. And what I mean by that is not a crushing playoff disappointment, uh, although that is all too familiar for us. But this actual, this specific game and the way it flowed, guys, as I was watching it, I'm like, this is what they've been all season, mm -hmm. right? You know? Um, start fast, the game evens out, and then you get into crunch time and it's really close. And the only difference was the magic wasn't there. There was no double doink field goal. There was no quarterback sneak fumble in the end zone, miraculous Justin Jefferson catch, 70-yard Dalvin Cook touchdown. There was no crushing coaching mistake by the other team. There was no Greg Joseph 62-yard. Like that, that magical play was not there. That was the only mm -hmm. difference. Yep. And therefore, the Vikings did not come out on top of a one-score game, and that happened mm -hmm. for the first time all season. And so, yep. I know this is very a very familiar feeling um, for Vikings fans. It it cuts open a wound, it scrapes open a scab, um, and so obviously very awful timing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to give you guys a chance to sort of opine whether in general or on something specific. But before I do, I, I just want to make one comment on. I mean, how about the vitriol for for the Vikings defense, you know, from from fans and, and from from other folks, media, 
you know, and Ed Donatel. And the thing I, that really, I think needs to be said is what did you expect? Because what we saw from the defense is what they were all year. So why are we offended by what happened on defense in the giants game? That's what really kind of makes me shake my head at the reaction to this game is I understand that you're very disappointed that they gave up 31 points to the giants and that they lost in the first round. But like, to me, it's more, I'm, my, I'm, I'm a little bit shifting my focus a little bit more on offense. Cause I, I'm kind of like, you only scored 24 points. They didn't play well enough to win on offense, but no. they really did it. No. Um, if you would have said to me before the game started, take it or leave it, Vikings score 24. I'd say I'm leaving that. They, yep. they need more than that. Yep. So I'm not going to absolve Ed Donatel and the defense from all the blame in this loss, Giles, mm-hmm. but I, that's what I expected. I mean, yep. this this is what they were all year. So I, I, I kind of don't know why people are offended about what they saw on defense in this game. I do think they played a little bit poorer than they typically did, but I uh, completely agree with you. They, I did not go into that game expecting them to play well. I expected us to have to outscore the other team, not us defending anything else. Um, I do think this was the worst game the entire season uh, for the defense. Um, With that being said, I think there's a very little variance in that. Although it is the worst, it's not like by a a wide margin necessarily. They were a bad defense this year. All uh, all things included, they were a bad defense. That's not meant to be negative. It's just highlighting that was a weakness on our team that caused a lot of deficiencies. And uh, I I think you are correct. I think it it, uh, does need to be uh, far more focused on the offense, not scoring enough points. Uh, I think there were a few... Uh, we'll call them snafus. I don't, that, that makes it sound more uh, uh, like we're trying to misplace blame, but I think they had a major problem with dropping uh, as they've had all season. Honestly, I was like just going to say that guys, you've talked about this many times this season. Yep. I think uh, come off season when it comes to training camp, they need to figure that out. Um, that, that, that's just something that you can't have. Uh, there were a lot of key moments throughout this game where it was third and long or it was even fourth and long and drops prevented us from moving the chains. Um, there was one, I guess, where Christian Derrissaw had a false start. Uh, but uh, other side from that, drops were a big issue. So we need to be able to shore that up. Um, there was one play where... It was either on third or fourth down where uh, Kevin O'Connell tried to call a timeout because he recognized it was not the right look and the refs did not grant it to him. And typically that's supposed to call a play dead, right? Um, And I actually viewed that as a big pivotal moment. And I think Kevin O'Connell was pretty angry about it as well, recognizing as well that it was a pivotal moment. Um, I don't want to blame the loss on that necessarily, but there were some things that did not go to plan. And when you have enough things that don't go not to plan, uh, you're going to lose the game. And that's what happened. Yep. Um, how about the and we can get into PFF grades too here, Giles, if you want to get mm-hmm. some of that data ready. Um yep. you know, fourth and eight, a three yard catch. Everyone talked about that. I think we should sort of work our way through that and talk about it as well. I think though the play before that was mm-hmm. as big. Um yep. with KJ and, Osborne. Yep. And I don't think KJ should have caught that. I won't say he should have caught that. I think that was catchable. Nice play by the defender. It wasn't an inaccurate pass per se, but it was not perfectly placed. Cousins said after the game, if I could have one back, it would be that one. Not the fourth Mm -hmm. and eight, three-yard play. It would be the one to KJ. Mm -hmm. And when I watched that play and I saw that not – like I know that we all knew there was one – you had another down, but that was absolutely a dagger. That when when yeah. that catch wasn't made, I was like, oh, that was that was it, that was it, yeah. that was that lost the game probably. Yeah, that was a drive extender. Yep. Um, you know, because no offense to our our dear Minnesota Vikings, but if you would have asked me, stand on what side of the fence you think is going to happen here on this fourth and eight, will the Vikings convert or will the Giants hold? I, I'd be like, the Giants are going to hold. Yeah. You know. Now on third and eight, I would have been like, I think the Vikings will convert this third and eight. Like I think this is a this is a catch here. Like yep. I would have bet on a catch, and it didn't happen. It um, so yep. I think the play before that was huge. Yep, especially um, when you analyze every close game we've had this season, there's yeah. been a catch just like that that has occurred and has been successful that has been able to lead to us being successful uh, with a score. Um, It required at least one of those plays, and all yep. of our one score games had that play. And when you lost that play, I'm like, oh. 
we we needed that in order to be successful and exactly and and kj osborne was the artist of some of those catches and some of them were touchdowns too um so Mm -hmm. uh Again, I'm not going to pin blame on KJ for not catching it or Cousins for throwing it behind him because it wasn't behind him. It was it was basically right on target, but it needed to be out in front of him, yeah. um, and it wasn't. So yeah. I think that play was huge. Uh, that mm-hmm. that that didn't go in the Vikings' favor. You know, the fourth and eight, the three yard catch. Um, I understand why there are routes that are run short of the sticks mm-hmm. on third downs and fourth downs because the defense is obviously guarding the line to gain and beyond. Yep. And yep. so you have to leave room from time to time for run after the catch opportunity and to pick up mm-hmm. a first down, um, yep. even though you caught it short of the sticks. It happens every game. You yep. And to separate defenders, right? Yeah. You know, someone's yep. short, someone has to defend. Him, I get it. So, yep. Um, however, <laughs> in this spot, I honestly would rather stand on my head be spun around like a top and throw a pass behind my back down the field, then yeah. throw it to Hawkinson in that spot, you know, because it's the last play of the game. Even if it gets yeah. picked, this is your only opportunity to move the chains. Yeah. And like, I know it's a one in a hundred thousand chance, but I'd rather throw a pick mm-hmm. there because maybe there's a fumble on the return or yeah. whatever, you know, but like the only thing you can say that, it's like, well, I was going to get sacked, so I had to dump it off to someone. It's like, well, at least it was a catch. The guy could have face-masked you or it could have been a late hit, could have got an automatic yep. first down, something like that. Yep. But honestly, in that instance, I rather would have had Cousins close his eyes and throw it behind his back past the sticks than that. Yeah, yeah, because everyone was covered in that uh, in that play, but I think you're absolutely correct. You just got to give it a go. Now, I was thinking about this after the play and after the game ended. Uh, if you analyze the rest of the season, there were a lot of contexts in which Kevin O'Connell removed the hot route, especially at the beginning of the year. There were very little hot routes in any of his plays. And people were like, finally, he's forcing Kirk not to check it down. Um, but I think one important thing uh, to cause or to, to call out in terms of difference is that we didn't have Brian O'Neill. And now and this is me speculating, but makes me wonder if Kevin O'Connell adjusted his play calling based on the fact that we didn't have a show-stopping right tackle, mm-hmm. um, where... He's like, well, I, we're not going to have enough time to let these normal plays develop, so we got to add a hot route to get, at least get a completion. Now, obviously that didn't work, but makes me wonder what caused him to add hot routes back in because we were still being able to be successful with our our completions in a lot of contexts without that hot route. Um, hot route being a, a throw short of the sticks, right? Yeah. Um, when you're getting pressure, you just need to dump it off and make it happen, an easy completion. Those did not really exist in a lot of our play calls, and now he started to add it in. So I don't know if that's the the offensive line affecting that and the timing, um, but something to call out. Yeah. I, I don't know either, and I don't know that Kevin would ever offer that insight. Um, yeah voluntarily or even if he's asked usually when that type of insight gets offered by the coach it's because he's defending himself or being criticized for the play call and i think almost no one is criticizing o'connell for what happened i think that are almost all criticizing cousins yeah uh yeah but maybe maybe there is something to that um i remember we played at new england like in 2018 cousins first year and Mm -hmm. we were coming back in the second half and it was like fourth and 11 or something like that. And cousins threw a quick slant, you know, for a four yard gain. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm like, that was the right read and the right throw unless yep. it's fourth down in the you know fourth quarter, then it's yep. not right. Yep. And I'm like, like, come on <laughs> this. He's a computer, man. Like yep. he is a computer. He spits out the right answer every single time. Yep. But like, that's not what you, you didn't need a computer in that moment. You needed a, someone to improvise, you know, yep. and Look, Justin Jefferson was covered on a lot of his receptions this year. I don't know why him being covered on fourth and eight with the season on the line dissuaded you from throwing it to him. He actually (laughs) led the league in both contested catches and targets by a very wide margin. Yeah. Like the miracle catch in Buffalo, man, he was covered by like three people. Yep. And had a hand on it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So very disappointing to see that. And I just, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh boy, here comes the cousin cousin's fire. Holy cow. Is this going to be bad? Yep. And is what uh, he, he did the exact thing people have hated on him for a long time. And you know what? Other people came to his defense and said he had a great game. Didn't throw a pick accurate, high completion percentage, whatever. And that's all true. Mm-hmm. I don't think they challenged 
the Giants deep very often. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you got PFF data about 10 plus yard throws, but I didn't think they challenged them deep. And there's only really- a single target. A single target. That was all. It was a non-completion. Really? I forget so who it was, but that yeah. doesn't surprise me, Giles. I, I'm, yeah. I'm like, they are not challenging these guys deep, and I, I didn't. I know. I know Jefferson had nine targets, but I think he averaged 10, uh, 12 on the season, yeah. and a nine is not enough um, at all. And I get it. They're trying yeah. to guard him, but people are trying to guard him all year, yep. and he still got twelve targets a game. What do you have? Sixty yards, something like that. You know? I mean, yeah, very, very little. And I know Hawkinson popped off a little bit, and you know, we could talk about that later in this show or in future yep. episodes. What a great trade and what a complete stud and perfect yep. fit in this offense. Mm-hmm. And he had a great game, but I mean, he needs to be the compliment, not the main guy. And Correct. and he was the main guy against the yep. Giants. And that's not going to get you very far. Correct. I completely agree. And um, wanted, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go. Uh, one additional thing that I wanted to get your take on, because you both know him and you uh, are a little bit more of a football expert than I am. Uh, how much do you think uh, the Giants defensive line coach played an impact in this game? And for most people, they may not necessarily know who that is. It was our former co-defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, does he does he play a, a role in this in terms of knowing our players and, and trying to exploit that knowledge? Yes. For sure. Andre Patterson, Um, he knew what to do, and he stuck it to us. I think so. And where Andre lost that edge was when the offensive scheme changed with O'Connell coming over. Of course, Andre is familiar with the scheme, but he loses an edge a little bit there because schematically he didn't know exactly what was coming, but he knows the strengths and weaknesses of individual players who were there when he was there, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so... And that, that goes for both on the offensive line, but also on the on the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, but sp- specifically to the Vikings offense, yes, I do think there was an advantage there. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew the pressure points of of Bradbury, um, yeah. even of a guy like Dalvin Cook, right? Yeah. Like he knows he knows the yeah, pressure points there. Yeah. Absolutely, you know. And that's not why the game turned out the way it turned out, but that's the game within the game there. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. every year going forward. Patterson's edge there diminishes exponentially, of right? But I mean, this yeah. was just this was fresh. This was last year, so yeah, yeah. it's a good, good call out there. Yep. Um, the last one I had here was Zadarius Smith. Man, uh, where did he go? Yeah. Uh, maybe you're gonna tell me his PFF grade was outstanding or something against the Giants, but I have a feeling it wasn't. And we talked the week before the game where I was like, the Vikings, they couldn't. They couldn't turn their defense around in time. So now they just got to find a hook on which to hang their hat. Just one Mm -hmm. thing. And I said, it's got to be edge pressure with Smith and Hunter and they couldn't do it. And I'm thinking back to the last month or so, and I just don't know where he went. Maybe he's playing hurt. I have no idea. Maybe teams figured out how to stop him. I don't know Giles, but I mean, turn the searchlight on, send a search party out, man. Where is, where was he? Yep. Uh, we, we will get into the PFF grades. I think that'll be interesting. I want you to guess them. Um, yeah. Do you want to head into that segment now? Yeah, let's do that. Let's, All let's, right. Do you want to start with offense or defense? Let's guess the defense? grades. We'll go. You want to start, start with offense or defense? Start on defense. Yeah. Start on defense. All right. Uh, who do you think the top three players were? Period. Well, actually, before I say that, do you want me to to segment this by uh, limited snaps or for everybody on the team? Uh, um, I have the snap counts. So, okay. we, well. I want it to. I want there to be a qualifying snap number, though. Okay. So what do you want that to be? Ten. Is that fair? Okay. Yep. Fair enough. All right. Let's do it. So, tell me the top three players. Who do you think did well? Who did? Who didn't? <laughs> this is hard. I'm ready to go on who I who I think didn't do well. Okay. So, but uh, let's get to that afterwards. Let's go to who actually maybe maybe showed up a little bit. And I saw Tomlinson make some plays, so okay. he's my first guess. Um, nope, he was middle of the road. He okay. uh, played all right. He ended the game with a 66.5 grade. He did horrible in tackling. He missed some really big tackles Dang that it. really dinged his score. Otherwise, he had a pretty good game other than he missed some some major tackles. But All right. And then I'm going to go – I'm staying on the interior with Bullard and Lynch because I don't like anyone in the second level. Um, so, uh, or third level. So I'll say Bullard and Lynch also in there. 
Uh, Bullard is not in the top. He was the sixth overall graded player with a seventy-six or a sixty-seven point three grade. Okay. Um, and uh, you said uh, which one? Lynch. Sorry, I was Lynch. oscillating between Lynch and Tonga, and I went with Lynch. Uh, he had a horrible day in the run game and ended the day with a sixty point eight grade. So he is not eh. also in the top. Eh. Yeah. Okay. Who were our top yep. performers? The number one overall graded player ended the day with a ninety point zero. Which Ooh. for the people that look at it, that's an elite level Ooh. play. Uh, he had amazing day in pass rush. Little suspect in run defense. He might have even been higher. Uh, but end of the day with a ninety grade, and that's Patrick Jones the second. Wow, good for what him. Thirteen uh, snaps. Yeah. Thirteen snaps exactly. Um, so that's number one. Number two, um, ironically, is none other than Zadarius Smith with a seventy-seven point oh. three grade. Okay. Now I think it's important to note um, that I think other areas of the game without revealing too much, affected his ability to get home. And that maybe uh, led to your kind of perspective of him, um, where football is a very integrated game. Um, from a process standpoint, he did pretty well. Um, he had uh, two um, two pressures, I believe. Uh, didn't have any sacks. Um, had a, an assist sack, maybe, I think. But, uh, but ultimately, he had an okay day. He ended the day with a 77.3 grade. Okay. So uh, maybe I should be a little more measured in my criticism of him. You're However, right. I get it my opinion stands where I think he was less effective later in the season than he was early. Yep. All right. So I think uh, that's also an important thing to note that PFF is a measure mostly of process. It does measure uh, results too. That's not, not uh, incorporated, but I think it heavy or heavily incentivizes the process side of the fence and process wise, he was fairly sound. Um, With that being said, football is a results driven business. So I think, what you're saying should definitely not go unnoticed um, because at the end of the day, we lost the game. And part of that was because we didn't get home enough. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's important to note that. And following closely behind Zedaria Smith is his counterpart, Daniel Hunter. Uh, and had a 76.5 grade. He had some pretty severe missed tackles that caused him to drop. Um, but otherwise, he was elite uh, in pass rush. He had an 80 grade. Um, but in tackling, he had a 31.1 grade, which is abysmal. Um so unfortunate. And then uh, to, to give a, a quick shout out, Duke Shelley was slightly behind that. Once again, Mr. Shelley Island uh, yep. ended the day with a 72.9 grade. Uh, so I think we might have found ourselves a pretty decent corner if we can get him re-signed. Um, Agreed. But if we want to transition down to the end of the, the list, oh, who are the three worst players? And there's definitely a big list that you could try to pull from. I, I just... I should say our outside linebacker group, uh, for the most part, was the only team that or the only group that did well process wise. The rest were not great. Yeah. Uh, this is the most yellow and red I've seen on our defense this season. So I I really didn't like much on defense at all. Mm-mm. I I didn't like how Chandon Sullivan played. I did not like at all how Eric Kendricks played, and. I just I I, I want to go somewhere in the secondary again here uh, on my third one. So you know I think Peterson was okay, so I don't want to call him out. Um, but I really was down on how Sullivan and and Kendricks looked. Um, yeah, Sullivan was the fourth worst player. Uh, he ended okay. the day with a fifty-eight grade. Okay. Um, did horrible in the run game. Coverage was bad. Pass rush was bad. Um, so yeah, he did not have a great day. Eric Kendricks was the second worst player. Uh, yep. He ended the day with a 52 grade. Um, did horrible in every category. Uh, and the worst overall graded player was none other than Patrick Peterson. He had a okay. horrible game. He ended the day with a 46.7 grade. Um, he did pretty okay in the tackling game, but other than that, it was a rough day for him, which is unfortunate. Um because you hate to see that for such a, a veteran player. But yep. ultimately, I think when you think about the the great process from our two starting middle linebacker or outside linebackers, um, the rest of the team from the, the front uh, defensive line to our secondary, that really caused them to not, not be able to actually have production. Yeah. Um, so that, that really stunk. I didn't think the coverage was good at all. Um, I thought there was a lot of open Giants receivers. Yep. And I don't know if we want to pin that on scheme or poor um, you know, poor playing or both, probably both, but awful, I thought, in coverage. And Kendricks, man, I mean, the guys have been through a lot, and he's been a warrior and a tackling machine for the Vikings, yep. but ouch, man. I yep. mean, I'm watching that game, and 
I'm thinking, I know there's no next game for the Vikings, but like if, like if that was a regular season game or if the Vikings happened to win that game, whoever they played, which would have been San Francisco in this instance, their game plan is like, well, how do we expose 54? I mean, yep. we want to get 54 involved in this game and put him in position to make plays because he, he won't make them. And I think Kendricks is a smart player. Mm-hmm. I think he knows where to go. I think he's having a hard time getting there in time. Especially uh, in this scheme. This scheme requires a significantly fast middle linebacker. Like that yeah. is the, the one of the bigger precipices behind our entire scheme. And right now we have two slow middle linebackers. They're, yeah. they're great, very smart players. They're, they're great tacklers. They're, they're ones that can really call out what a, an offense is going to do. But if you're not fast enough, like it's tough yeah. to get anything done. And especially in our scheme, it requires you to be even faster than even in a 4-3. Yep. And I, you know, I don't want to go over the top here from the top rope on Kendricks, but I just, it's it's of note because I think what happens with him is an offseason talker, like mm-hmm. you know, big salary, big role on the defense, getting up there in age, and you got to be fast in this day and age. I mean, you've always had to be fast in the NFL, but I mean, you don't want to be slow so with these offenses that are that people are are concocting and and I mean, the players that are out there running around. I mean, you can't be slow. You know, and he is slowing down. He is slowing down, man. Which Um, is always unfortunate because you're rooting for him. He's been a phenomenal player. He's a ring of honor guy for the Minnesota Vikings, but I think he's reached his shelf uh, with the the Vikings. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Um, Any other PFF things of note here to to close the Giants game or or close the season? Um, No, I think think that's it. I mean, just a a last final general element. I think we have a lot of rookies that show some real promise for the next next upcoming season. Uh, Duke Shelley, one. uh, Josh Metellus, he's another one I'm really Uh, rooting for him. I'm I'm a big Metellus guy. Yep. Yeah, Metellus, I hope he's a starter for our our secondary next year. I'm really, really high on him. I think uh, Kyrus Tonga, he's been doing pretty well. He's had a few suspect games in a couple categories, but other than that, he's been a great player considering his draft status. So um, I think we have some some interesting players to, to play around with for Mat- this next season. Metellus, before we go to offense and close the yeah. season PFF-wise on offense, um, Metellus has, to me, uh, some Andrew Sandejo, uh, Hussein Abdullah vibes of mm-hmm. cut your teeth on special teams as a safety and then eventually become good enough to play on defense. That's Metellus right there. That, yep. He's in line with those guys. Yep. And this season, he's been our highest-graded safety. Oh, really? Is that right? Yep, and he's the yeah. lowest paid. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, uh, uh, let's see. I don't know if he's one of the free agents coming up. I don't think he is. Nope. I don't have him on my list. So that's good. Um, yep. I won't be surprised if he's playing a bunch on defense next year. I think he should. Mm-hmm. So, yep, all right, agree. let's go offense. All righty. Who do you think played the best? Give me the top three. Put Hawkinson up there for sure. Yep. Um, I might put Cousins up there too. Um mm-hmm. After that, I don't really like much. I don't think we were good. I'll put Dar. I, I think Darasaw. I don't think we were good at right tackle, and I don't think we were good on the interior. So I'm going Darasaw, Hawkinson, Cousins. Yep. Uh, Darasaw was the fourth graded player at a 74.7, so he did yep. very, very well. Um, did a, even better in pass protection than in run blocking, and he had a 78 grade in run blocking. So wow. uh, he is proving uh, continuously that he's an amazing player and definitely the cornerstone of our offensive line. Um, you were right with TJ Hawkinson. He was our number one overall uh, graded player with a 90.6. Yep. Stud. Yep. Absolute stud. He did great in every single category. Um, second uh, is in the same position with Johnny Munt with an 83 oh. grade. Uh, okay. He had 21 snaps, so he did pretty well um, in all in all uh, phases, pass, run, um, and uh, in, in uh, pass catching as well. Uh, and then the third uh, best player was Kirk Cousins. He ended the yeah. day with the 83.5 grade, um, which unfortunately, uh, when it mattered most, he did not necessarily do what we wanted him to do. But uh, I saw a stat that um, we're the only team in NFL history to end a playoff game with more than an 80% completion percentage, no turnovers, and still lose the game, um, which is unfortunate. Oh, um, yeah. Which, I mean, the two biggest indictments you know, are the defense and Kirk Cousins checking it down on fourth down. Um, you know, um, equally as important. Um, so unfortunate um, that we have to make history that way, but um, that's what it is. Yep. Um, so if you translate that down to the worst players, um, talk to me. Who do you think had the, oh, the worst days on Sunday? Man. Hmm. 
I, I hate to do it, but I'm going to put my man AT19 in there. Um, although maybe he didn't look good because he wasn't, I don't know, maybe he wasn't targeted as much as we think he should be, but I'm putting him in there. Yep. I didn't like what I saw there. Um, and I got to go interior for sure here. So I'm going to go with uh, Ingram and Udo. Okay. Um, uh, thankfully, Adam was about middle of the road. He had a horrible day in run blocking. Um, Ed Ingram was the fourth worst player. He ended the day with a 57.6 grade. He continue, uh, continues to be horrible in pass protection. He ended the day with a 28.9 grade, which is... Yep. That's worse than bad. Like, that's worse than abysmal. Like, that's really bad. Uh, and I'm a, a guy that's rooting for Ed Ingram because I think he came out from LSU as a great uh, guard in a lot of categories. Uh, uh -huh. But he continues to make rookie mistakes to the point where I'm interested to see if they continue on with him yeah. or if they try to find a replacement. I know he's a second-round pick, but at the end of the day, if you continue on with Kirk Cousins, protection has to be a priority. And right yep. now, he is making some severe mistakes. Um, but ultimately, from the, the worst, you were close on the interior offensive line. It was Garrett Bradbury. Uh, I think Mr. Andre Patterson knew how to attack Garrett Bradbury, and he did so. He yep. ended the day with a 28th grade. He did even worse than Ed Ingram in pass protection. Worse than the uh, guy who did worse than bad. Yep. Thanks. That, yeah, they're just yeah. not great. And uh, if you would have told me that we would have had this close of a game with that bad of pass protection on the interior, yeah. I would have been like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Because, We're lucky. Like, yeah. yeah, but seriously, um, because Kirk Cousins is a lot of things, and one of those is that is he needs to protect, he needs yep. to be protected, and he was not so on the interior side of the offensive line. Um, the second worst player, unfortunately, was CJ Ham. I think he might be a ca casualty oh. this next year. Okay. I love CJ Ham. He's an awesome guy on and off the field. Uh, probably one of the best, if not the best, fullback in the league, besides maybe what the 49ers bring. But I think he is slowly getting his way off the team, considering his cap hit next year as well. Uh, but he ended the day with a 56.6 grade. And the third overall graded player, uh, or worst graded player, is Irv Smith Jr., Mr. Oh, really? uh, drop over there. He's yeah. had severe drop issues, um, which is unfortunate, but I think he is working himself into a very small contract, not on the Vikings. Yep, he game. is. You're right about that. Plus, plus, the best ability is availability, right? Yeah. And that's that's an issue for Irv also. And when he's on the field, he makes severe drops. Yeah. We, we got to do a drop study, Giles. You've talked about drops all year long. You know, we got to look at, at that and factor that into draft eval and free agent eval. And Yep. Um, yeah, I definitely got those uh, analysis coming up for these next seasons. Okay, good. All right, good. All right, so let's talk about the consequences of this loss. Um, I think it's key to not blur the line on the mm -hmm. consequences because we're going to talk about some things here in this segment that we would have talked about had they won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about some things maybe that we're talking about right now because of what happened against the Giants. So mm -hmm. we'll begin with those. Um, defensively, Ed Donatel gets fired. Mm -hmm. I think if they throw a stellar game on defense and win and go to San Francisco and lose a close game, I don't know that he gets fired. I think that there is a chance that he got fired because of the Giants game. Mm -hmm. Granted, it wasn't a great body of work overall, but the value of having continuity is such that if you end on a high note, you might take a chance and keep them. Yeah. The opposite happened. You ended on a low note. As you said, Giles, maybe their worst game of the season, the most important game of the season, poor timing, Donatel fired. Um, Kendricks gets exposed in this game, I, I do believe, and I think that was probably happening uh, regularly during the season, but it was obvious mm -hmm. to people, I think, who aren't keen observers of the game beyond what they see with the football. Like, they just follow mm -hmm. the football around the screen. Yeah. Even if that's all you do, I think you saw 54 was slow. Yep. So I think um, I think that was a this game thing, though, especially I think it hurt them because the Giants are a very horizontal offense. They are trying to stretch you out mm -hmm. um, with zone reads and read options and Daniel Jones scrambling and running and Saquon Barkley's agility. They mm -hmm. are trying to horizontally challenge you yep. that that killed Kendricks. Yep. Um, the cousin stigma, the cousin mm -hmm. stigma comes back because of this game. Mm -hmm. and um, the, the Vikings draft position was set because they lost in this game. They are mm -hmm. in the 24th position 
but they will pick 23rd in the first round because the Dolphins are forfeiting their first round pick and they are ahead of the Vikings in draft order. So of those consequences from this loss, Giles, what do you want to drill down on? Donatel being fired, what happens with Kendricks, cousin stigma, and the draft position being 23 in the first round? Well, I think there's so much to unpack with the defense that we could maybe turn that into an entire episode next week. So let's yes. start with draft status and work, uh, okay. work our way backward. All right. So I saw a tweet from my friend Paul Charchian, uh, who yeah. you are familiar with and yeah. many listeners are. If they are not, he is what you would call the godfather of fantasy football. And he's uh, from right around here. Uh, he's one of us here in Minnesota. And he talked about some running back from Texas. And I know it's sounds terrible surface level for me to say some running back from Texas. Like, I don't know who he is, but honestly, even in my years with the Vikings, like we didn't know some of these players until like, you know, a few weeks before the combine. So, and that's, that's the truth for the coaches too. I'm not even kidding. So there's some running back from Texas, I guess, who's going to go in the first round Mm -hmm. and charge was like, I know you all want to talk about defense, but if this, if this cat, he didn't say cat, he's like, if this guy is not like he said, his name is on the board at 23, that will be interesting. And I about spit out my coffee. I'm like, if yeah. they invest a first round pick in a running back, they are nuts. And yeah. I don't care if it's Walter Payton. Yeah. Oh, not worth it. Oh, yeah. You can go offense if you want, but it better yep. be a, a tackle or a receiver or a center. Yep. You, you should go defense, I think. But anyway, please not a running back not a running back because you have okay. to apply positional value i know positional value is a little bit of a gray area in conversation but you yeah. do have to understand who is someone you want to get into a second contract and more importantly pay right and a running back in today's nfl is not the position to pay right no. and additionally when you look at our scheme unless we change schemes which i don't see happening our offense can do without a, an elite running back yes I mean, Absolutely. if we can have one, great, but we do not require one. Uh, out of all the, the positions that are required to be great in order for us to score points, running back is not one of them. No. Look what the Chiefs are doing and the yeah. Bills yep, and the Eagles. I mean, yep. they don't have elite running backs no. at all. Not, not even slight. Yeah. No. Yep. And so the Niners do, uh, and that may be part of why they are where they are, you know, with McCaffrey. But the yep. Niners have been good for years with Jeff Wilson and – uh, Raheem yeah. Mostert and Jarek yep. McKinnon, like yeah, partially because they prioritize stout offensive lines. The best running backs have amazing offensive lines that are able to set positions for them, right? I mean, you can't have an idiot at that position, but right. like if you have a great offensive line, I'd much rather have that with an average running back than a poor offensive line with an elite one. If yep. that makes sense. So, all right, let's let's start high and distill this down and get detailed very quickly on the draft. Let's rule out, you know, fullback, tight end, running back, quarterback at 23. Are we are we good there? I would be in agreement with that. I know there's some shows in the Minnesota market that say maybe we should draft a quarterback after that fourth down, but I think we should take that off the table because at bare minimum, Kirk Cousins is going to be with us for another season. I truly think they're going to extend him, if I'm being honest. But I think, yeah, agreed. We need to okay. take quarterback off the, play, off the field. Quarterback, running back, fullback, tight end are off. So... Any offensive line position is on the board as a possibility. I would say, not I don't know tackle. if I would do it. I don't know if I'd do a tackle because both of those guys are under contract for a while now. Okay. So let's take um, I would do a guard or center. Guard or center and wide receiver on offense, right? Yes. Those three yep. positions. Yep. Guard, center, receiver. And then on defense, I don't think you take anything off the board there. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay. No. So, no. Um, so that's kind of where we sit on draft. Uh, we're, we're picking 23rd. Hard to get excited about that. Uh, pick, picking well, 24th and all the rounds thereafter. Very hard to be excited about that. I would say the Vikings are absolutely a team that will consider trading back. Would you agree? To generate more capital in the second yep. round. Yep. I would agree. Unless there's somebody elite in one of those positions at 22 that you got to yep. take, they're going to trade back. So, I mean, typically there, you're, you might stumble on like the best center in the draft, like they did with Bradbury one yep. year. Uh, you 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 very well might might get the best guard in the draft uh, mm-hmm. or center in the draft. That that is possible. Mm-hmm. It's unlikely you're going to get the best. You're not going to get the best D end. You're not going to get the best receiver. You're no. um, not going to get the best corner. You know mm-hmm. those. You're not getting that. So I can see him trading back, but still within the first round, I can see him going back to 31 or 32. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so 
they're definitely a trade back team. They're definitely a team that will take defense and they're definitely an offensive line team and a, definitely a wide receiver team. So it's yep. going to be hard, I think, to narrow this down. Mm-hmm. When we get close to the draft, I don't think we're going to have a stand on the table. Guy, you got to, they're going to get this guy and I'll bet you, you know, my house on it. Uh, it's not going to happen. I think the only thing that may adjust that is if the Vikings decide they want to, um, adjust their personnel going into next season and trade somebody and then get draft capital back. So for okay. example, if they trade Daniel Hunter because they don't believe he can really thrive in a three, four defense and they get one or two first round picks back um, and you have two first round picks, then you have one of two, well, I mean, one of uh, two or three uh, possibilities. Either you trade up and you're like, we're going to get the best edge rusher in the draft um, or you stay put at both of those or you trade back, right? Yeah. Um, so I think a trade could dramatically change this conversation, but obviously we true. won't know until then. Yep, a pre-draft trade. Yep, very true. All right, um, I think we covered that one. Let's do one more. The three choices were Donatello got fired. What's next? Eric Kendricks. What's next with him? Very exposed in the Giants game. And then the Cousins stigma. Let's talk about, uh, well, we uh, let's talk about Cousins. Yeah. Okay. Let's give him a go. To me, I think we've talked about Cousins, especially early before the season, about how we feel on him. And it's the most consequential position in the sport. Mm-hmm. However, when I look at the Vikings, it's to me, not really a talker. Like I think he's going to be the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you he shouldn't be like, I'm not a, I'm not going to join the, the Kirk cousins bandwagon and tell you he's going to win a super bowl. Just wait. I mm-hmm. I've seen 10 years of it and the guy is really good at playing the position, you yeah. know? And that's, that's the ceiling I think. Yeah. So the stigma on him is can't win the big game, can't win in prime time. Well, he got rid of that. I mean, he won a bunch of big games this year and he won in prime time. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's the whole, like, if your house is on fire, you don't want to ask him to run in and pull people out and mm-hmm. throw in a three-yard check down on fourth and eight is it, man. Like, that's yep. – the stigma exactly. still there. Yep. I think uh, I went into this season uh, loving part of Kirk Cousins' game and hating him. Some people call me a Kirk – lover i call myself a kirk realist i, I understand think you're what he's reasonable good at. on it yeah yeah mm-hmm. like I, I i love what he's good at and i hate what he's bad at and until he is not your quarterback my entire philosophy around the quarterback position is you need to do whatever you can as a gm to put them in a position to succeed and that formula looks different with kirk cousins than you would with someone like lamar jackson right now he's actually going to be a free agent and i know some people have speculated about trying to go acquiring him but aside from that major speculation you need to find a way to make it work with kirk until he's not your quarterback once he's yeah. not then you maybe develop a different recipe but we know what the recipe is and anytime i can know what the recipe is I think you can work with that because some guys, you don't know exactly what they are because they're so variant. They have really great games and they have really bad games. And I think for the most part, as long as you protect Kirk, he is exactly what you want him to be. Or he he is what he is, right? Uh, He doesn't have a lot of variance. And I think- I agree, yep. if, If you can go into this season, further improve your offensive line, and more importantly, for the first time in Kirk's entire career, have the exact same play caller two seasons in a row. That's never happened before. He's never had a play caller two years in a row. And when you look at his psyche and persona, he is Mr. Predictable. He's the guy that will prepare harder than anyone else on the team, except for maybe the coach. If you can now build and compound on that preparation and have the same play caller, I actually do believe there may be another level to him. Now, it may not be, may not necessarily be a Super Bowl winning level, but I do think he builds on what he has done. And I yeah. think uh, building on that, I do put a lot on Kevin O'Connell's shoulders. I think he had some rookie rookie learnings as a head coach. Um, you know, maybe even in that fourth down play, he should have maybe called something different, knowing Kirk's tendencies, right? Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people call it puppeteering Kirk. Um, I think it's maybe a little too disrespectful, but the point is I think with a second year under Kevin O'Connell's um, belt, Kirk Cousins getting a little bit better, I actually do see him t- taking a step forward, especially if we're able to shore up some of those interior sides of the offensive line. Agreed. Agreed on all that. Um... I just, I look at some of these quarterbacks like, you know, Brady and Rogers. I think, I don't know if Derek Carr is going to enter into this realm right now, but I mean, they're year to year like mercenaries now. Yeah. Yep. Right. Where 
they're still good enough to call their own shot and they're looking for a team that they can go to and win the dang thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a different stage of a career than the stage that Joe Burrow is in or Jalen hurts Mm -hmm. is in right where they're Josh Allen. They're right in the middle of it right now, man. Like, Mm -hmm. no, this is our team. This is our system. We got to get going. We can have Patrick Mahomes. We can have success for, for eight years doing this. Yep. Brady Rogers, not in that. Uh, Mahomes, Allen Burrow in that. Mm-hmm. So for Cousins, I don't know. He's in between that. He's yeah. still a guy where it's like, we could do this for five or six years, guys. Come on. Right. But also, if I'm him, I'm like, forget this. Like, you guys can't protect me. You haven't protected me since I got here. Mm-hmm. I'm going somewhere else where they can protect me. I, I wonder if that's creeping into his agent's head or into his head, you yeah. know, because I'm looking at some of these opportunities, like the, don't laugh, but like the Jets. Um, like the mm-hmm. Raiders, um, you know, before Russ got there, the Broncos, like yep. where you could, you got a lot of key p- pieces in place. Honestly, especially the Jets. They have a great offensive line. I mean, yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker is one of the best guards in football. Yeah. He was there when uh, the Vikings were drafting. We almost got him. Uh, but ultimately, I agree. Like, it has to be entering his head because even from the longevity of his career, the more I mean, he took so many hits this year. He was the yeah. most hit quarterback in the NFL by a very wide margin yeah. um, for a statue quarterback. That's a very difficult thing. So if you want to make money over the next X number of years, you got to stay protected and to be successful with him, you got to be protected. So yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, that's an interesting thought. I think he's in the middle there and I lean more toward like get a system going and stay in Minnesota and see if you can fix it and make it right. You know, but mm-hmm. Because it's like, is Cousins the answer and he needs to be in the right spot? Or is Cousins like in a spot that's got it all figured out and they just need a quarterback? I, I don't know which which one the Vikings are. Um, and- that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, because really, I mean, in the Giants game, they only scored 24 points. Now they were down an offensive tackle, so that can definitely make a hurt. Because, I mean, ultimately we have the best tackle room in the NFL. Hot take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Between your left and right tackles, you are set. Yeah. And you are set for a while. How do you so do if you're better? Able, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you both have top 10 tackles, period. Yeah. I mean, if you loop the tackle position together, both left and right, they're still both top 10. Like, yeah. they are both great tackles. Um, so you're you're building something very interesting. If you can bring some more stoutness to the interior, you have a great wide receiver, probably the best in the game. You have arguably a top five tight end. Uh, fantastic. Now your, your running back room is maybe going to get blown up. We'll see. Uh, mm-hmm. But the point is, I think you have a lot of elements for a great offense and your defense was abysmal. Now you can have two different perspectives on that. Are you not able to build a defense because you're paying your quarterback so much, or are you not having a good defense because of scheme or because you didn't draft right? I tend to be uh, the mind that it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I think we did not realize our potential considering what type of talent was on the field, but yeah. Um, I think they should give it one more go if I'm if I'm giving you my analysis. I think he has the opportunity to win a Super Bowl. I don't think he'll be the reason he wins you a Super Bowl. I don't think he's a, a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes, but I think he can be on a team that wins a Super Bowl. I think you have to hit your draft picks right. Don't get me wrong. You have to yeah. hit those things. You gotta you gotta hit what you're what you're going after in the draft. I think you need nail nail free agency. Um and I think he could be on a Super Bowl winning team. He won't be the, th- the, re- the exact reason that we do it, but I think he could be on a team. But I think if you can't do it next year, I think then the team starts to deteriorate beyond a point where you can do it, especially given how many guys need to get paid um, in the next two, three years. It puts the team, if that is the mindset, Giles, and the decision, that puts the team in a very potentially awkward spot in the draft. And a spot mm-hmm. the Packers have been before and are currently in, right? Mm-hmm. With Jordan Love and, um, you know, you you plan for the future and draft your next quarterback, but you piss off your current quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, unless you try to go get someone else in in free agency come next offseason, but yep. yeah, I completely agree because Justin Jefferson's going to get paid and he's going to be paid quarterback money. I mean, everyone knows yeah. it, including him. Yeah. Uh, Tight end with TJ Hawkinson, he's going to need to get extended and he's going to make some serious coin. Um, like you have some pretty major players getting paid and all the existing players are now uh, ballooning in their payments. Even unless we trade, trade Daniel Hunter, his 
cap hit skyrockets. Zedaria yep. Smith's cap hit skyrockets. Uh, we have some very expensive players coming due, and that's hard to do when you also have a really expensive uh, quarterback. Now, I think a lot of people overinflate the idea of the salary cap, saying, well, if you have Kirk, that means you can't win. Like, you can manipulate the cap, and we just yeah. happen to have the best cap specialist in the NFL. Rob Brzezinski mm-hmm. is a genius, but you can only manipulate it to a point. And I think there's so many great guys that you need to pay. Christian Derrissaw, he's going to break the the tackle market in the near future. Uh, 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 Brian O'Neill, his cap hit skyrockets in the next two, three years. Like, you'll have to make a decision somewhere because you can't pay everybody. Exactly right. You got to get by at spots with certain guys. And you got to be smart about what spots those are that you're trying to get by. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't pay, you know, you can't. it's not smart to pay a running back, an inside linebacker, and a safety, and then try and get by at wide receiver and corner, right? Yeah. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> Don't do and the Vikings yeah. aren't doing that, but um, yeah. yeah, you have to get, I remember the 09 Vikings. I always said, you know, they had great players every, everywhere. No, they didn't almost everywhere. They had great yeah. players. They had Anthony Herrera at right guard. Okay. Yeah. Got to get by with a guy like that. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, yeah. so um, they had to get by with Ray Edwards at defensive end and he turned out to be a productive player for that mm-hmm. season. But like, you went in there and that was a question mark spot. Like, mm-hmm. man, we got McKinney and we got Hutch and we got Winfield and we got Pat and Kevin and Jared Allen and Favre and Harvin and Studs and Peterson. But we got Anthony Herrera and we got Medea mm-hmm. Williams and we got, yep. right, like Tyrone Johnson, like whatever. Your team will get, have defense or issues, yeah. Yep. And, 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 and like uh, an example of where the Vikings got that figured out was Duke Shelley, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah had a bunch of injuries had had a bunch of cap tied up in other positions go oh, let's see if this duke shelley kid can get us through well he, he mm-hmm. did more than get you through i mean yeah. i think he earned himself a, a roster spot next year yep. so um uh, go yeah, ahead go ahead no sorry i'll save it for next week okay yeah. i was just gonna say that guys i was gonna say you mentioned zadarius smith and daniel hunter i have questions on the interior defensive line i have questions about harrison smith i think patrick peterson is out you got to get more corners and mm-hmm you're going to get a new defensive coordinator and it's too much to talk about right now. And um, we are in fact going to talk about that next week, uh, which leads me to uh, the next segment, which is season two of the Wobcast 2.0. We are going to continue with weekly um, episodes here on the Wobcast 2.0. So uh, the three of us are excited to bring that to all of you guys weekly going forward, but certainly focusing on the tent pole events, uh, the combine free agency, the draft, the launch of mini camps. Um, and then of course, as news warrants will come to you as well. We'll do positional breakdowns early in season two of the Wobcast 2.0, where we literally look at every player on the Vikings roster at a given position in that episode, evaluate their season and what might happen to them this off season. Take a look from a relative standpoint at how they performed to their peers on other teams Take a look at the draft at that position and free agents at that position. We're going to go position by position uh, and break that down for you here over the early part of the offseason. We'll have more guests uh, on the Wobcast 2.0 in season two as we try and tap into our network and to our network's areas of expertise. Uh, So lots of exciting stuff coming up, and we encourage you guys to keep following and keep listening to us weekly as we continue with the Wobcast 2.0 in season two. Specific to the offseason, guys, a lot of fun stuff to talk about. How about some salary cap maneuvering that we are going to be anticipating, right? Because not every guy with a high cap hit is going to be a casualty, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to redo their deal. You're going to extend them. You're going to ask for a pay cut. Um, We will talk about the futures of Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, and Zadarius Smith. And we'll be talking about pending free agents for the Vikings, Alexander Madison, Garrett Bradbury, and Irv Smith, chief among them. Giles, Chase, I think we have a new defensive coordinator coming soon. So next Mm -hmm. week on episode one of season two, we can talk about what the new hire means for the future of the defense. And if they haven't hired one, we can have a short list of people we think they should hire and what that would mean for the defense and lay out a plan for fixing the Vikings defense for 2023. Uh, we'll also dig in very deeply on what the Vikings should do in the draft at position 23 and then position 24 thereafter. So lots of really exciting stuff to talk about here in the off season. I'll open it up to you guys on things you're hoping to hit on and, and things that excite you about the Wobcast 2.0 and season two here in the off season. 
I'm just so excited about the general essence of the Minnesota Vikings because I'm really in love with the head leadership. I think yeah. they they know what they're doing. I've been uh, pleased with the decisions that they've made. Um, obviously, we parted way, ways with our defensive coordinator. Um, yep. You're not going to hit every hire. Um, and I think uh, they'll make uh, a better decision round two here. Uh, and then when you mix in the core pieces of our, our uh, team, I'm just so super excited to analyze it. I think throughout the offseason, we're going to go through each position group uh, week over week and position by position to talk through what is this current state of the, the that that particular group. So if we're going to yep. talk about the middle linebacker group, what's what's working, what's not. Um, talk about the difference between the best middle linebacker in football and the ones that we have. And what would it take to make us get to number one? Um, yep. So if you're getting to the wide receiver room, thankfully we are number one. Uh, so obviously you got some uh, cool things to talk about. Um, really excited to talk about the difference between those things and what it'll take to improve our team and try to get through some logic um, uh, uh, reasoning on on what it takes to improve uh, each position group. Yeah. Um, additionally, I think we'll go through each of the major statistical categories in the NFL and walk through what does it look like to get to number one. So if we ended the season in, in uh, sixth in points, what would the Minnesota Vikings have to do in 2024 uh, or 2023? Three, rather to become number one what, what does that look like how do we become better at scoring points or how do we become better at uh, yards per rush attempt um and different things like that so i'm really excited to walk through how do we systematically improve this team if we were the general manager yep that that'll be fun to do and look we we do that um coming from a place of passion and mm -hmm. in some senses um experience uh mm -hmm. being that uh i've been behind the ropes and i've seen seen the behind the scenes but we also do it coming from a fanatical or outside standpoint knowing we are not actually in those seats we don't have all the information but we're excited to uh project what we would do if we were uh it's a lot yeah. of fun to do and and we know a lot of our listeners operate the same way so very much looking forward to that guys and continuing uh this fun project the wildcast 2.0 it's been fun all season and it's going to be fun in season two before we go Divisional round is coming up. We are disappointed the Vikings aren't in it, but we're still interested in watching it. So very quickly, four games. Let's preview them and predict them. Jaguars at Chiefs. That game is the first one of divisional weekend, 3.30 Central on Saturday. The Chiefs, nine-point favorites at home, over under 52.5. Does the Jaguars' magical season continue, or do the Chiefs assert their dominance and win at home? What do you got? The logic in me says the Chiefs are going to maintain. Um, but for whatever reason, I can't shake this feeling that the Jaguars are going to upset. Okay. I just, I got this feeling. Trevor Lawrence is on a ride and uh, you got an experienced head coach that has definitely won the Super Bowl, just like Andy Reid. And uh, I, this hot take, but I think he might even be more aggressive than Andy Reid. Uh, okay. There's a, a shtick to him that uh, that really that really rings true. Um, so I I, uh, I might be predicting a Jaguars upset. That okay. might come back and blow up in my face, but we'll see. Giles leaning hard Jaguars. Chase. You know I think all of America is rooting for Jacksonville right now. Oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> let's be real. It's January. Patrick Mahomes, Arrowhead. You know I just the, the chess match will be fun between uh, the coaches, but no, I I think the Chiefs will win pretty okay. easily. I um. I'm definitely in between you guys here. I I don't think this is a blowout at all. I do think the Chiefs will win. I have an upset pick coming. This is not the game, though. So I, I will side with the Chiefs. And I know that's a high over under at 52 and a half, but I don't I wouldn't play the under. I know that. <laughs> so um, you know, I'm I'm excited to watch all the games, this one included. Uh I won't I'm picking the Chiefs. I would bet on the Chiefs, but I won't be shocked or floored if it's close and the Jaguars win. Giants at Eagles at Eagles is the nightcap on Saturday. 715 Central on Fox. Eagles at home off a of bye. Seven and a half point favorites. Over under is 48. I will go first this time. Chase, you go second. Giles, you can close this one out. And call me a prisoner of the moment, but I think the Giants are going to win this game. I don't like how the Eagles looked with Hertz coming back. He didn't look like the same player to me. I was very impressed with the scheme the Giants had on offense. I think they can challenge the Eagles in that way. I think the Eagles will respond better because they have mm -hmm. more speed on defense. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a really close game that comes down to the last possession. Mm -hmm. And I've got a feeling that Brian Dayball has some special sauce. 
it's the second or the third time now he's going to get to see the Eagles defense. And I just have so much respect for the way he can scheme on offense. I think he's got a little something going here with Jones and Barkley. And I'm siding with the Giants in a very close game. Chase. I, I like what you just said, but I got to be real. Again, playing in Philly in January is not where you want to be. Um, and somehow the Eagles have become a little underrated the last couple of weeks. I'm rolling yeah. with the Eagles. I think yeah. Jalen Hurts is awesome, but especially behind that O-line. And I think the difference between their defense and our defense is a lot. Yep. So I, I think the Giants are going to struggle <laughs> a lot more against that. Or, yeah. But yeah, against them against the, instead of, you know, versus us. So Okay. Break the tie, Giles. There we go. Uh as much as uh, I understand that the Eagles have a great team, one of the best rosters in the NFL, I truly think they peaked early. That's yep. not necessarily meant to say that they're bad, but they're playing a divisional team, uh, one that they've beaten twice, and it's hard to beat a team three times. I mean, let's just be real. It's yes. really hard to do. Yes. And I think Brian Dable's a better coach. Hot take. I think he's more creative. Me I think too. he has more passion than Nick Sirianni. I think the Giants win this game. All right. It's going to be close, but I think the Giants win. Yeah, I think... Do you agree this is close, Chase, or do you have a blowout here? And this might just be just me say hating just the say Giants. It, Chase. No, just say it. I think it. it's a blowout. I think it's a blowout. I think Eagles win by 13 plus. Okay. Ooh. All right. Now, All right. I will say history's on your side, Chase. They had a bye. They're at home. I mean, this is what divisional round teams do. I remember the Vikings had a bye in 09, and the Cowboys came into the Metrodome, and people were picking the Cowboys. The Vikings just, you know, blew their doors off. And that might be what's going to happen here. Um, and if so, I'll gladly admit that I was wrong. But uh, Giles and I, Giants, Chase, Eagles. Okay, let's go to Sunday, 2 p.m. Central Time, CBS. Bengals at Bills. Bills installed as five-and-a-half-point favorites over under 49. Bengals at Bills. Chase, you're going first. Who you got? Well, my hot take here is the winner of this game wins the Super Bowl. Oh. I think I think I think these are the two best teams left in the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's close. Um, and this might be a little biased because I tend to root for the Bengals a little bit, but I think the Bengals are going to win. I I, I think uh, obviously we didn't get to see the first matchup against them due to the everything that happened with um, Demar Hamlin. But um, yep. Before that happened, the Bengals were up and they had possession in the first quarter. So so obviously that was in Cincinnati. This one's going to be um, in Buffalo, but. I don't know. I, I got to see. Okay. In a very close game. In a very close game. All right. Giles, you're next. I think it will be close, uh, but I do think it's going to be the Bills. Uh, I think uh, there's national push behind them uh, for a lot of reasons, including DeMar Hamlin. I think that'll be extra motivating for that team, although they kind of had some issues in that last game where they gave up some points. Um, I think they're going to come ready to play uh, and uh, play for a lot of those reasons. So I think it'll be close, but the Bills come up ahead. Okay, uh, we are going to put Giles on an island here because I'm on, <laughs> on the Bengals side too, and All I right. don't have a strong opinion on this. Um, I'm not saying I wouldn't bet on it because I'm a degenerate gambler and I'll bet on you know anything. <laughs> so um, I'm just kidding. Well, I would yeah. bet on almost anything. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is a good close game. I mean, this is – you're right, uh, Chase. T maybe the two best teams uh, left. Maybe not, but I mean certainly mm – -hmm heavyweights going at each other here uh but i am siding with the bengals mostly because i don't love josh allen's current form and i am in love with joe burrow's current form and i know mm -hmm. more goes into it than just that but i'm gonna take the bengals in this one and i don't feel badly about it i think it's a close game that comes down to the last few minutes of the fourth quarter all right, the uh, divisional round uh, recap or uh, cap nightcap is Cowboys at Niners. Mm -hmm. This one is in San Francisco, and the Niners are four point favorites with an over under of forty six and a half. I am um, I'm on the Niners side on this one. I'm not saying it's a blowout or it's not close, but I think the Cowboys are not frauds. But I think any sense that they have a bunch of momentum right now is fraudulent because they looked horrible in their last regular season game against the commanders and they lost and they wanted to win it. And I think the bucks were a shell of themselves and that's not an impressive win uh, yeah. to me, although it was a playoff win and I get it, but like the bucks were lame ducks. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Niners, however, have won 11 in a row. And I think 
there is an, an advantage of having two extra days and also an advantage of when they knew that they basically knew that they'd be playing the Cowboys essentially, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, once, once the giants beat the Vikings, they got, it's really like two extra days of rest and, and also extra days of prep for the specific team they were playing. Mm-hmm. So Kyle Shanahan's going to have a great plan for Micah Parsons and for that Cowboys defense, which, which is very good. But I think the Cowboys run will end here and the Niners will win. Giles, you're next. I think these are probably two of the most physical teams in the NFL. Uh, when yep. you think of like the physical teams of the entire league, these are probably the top two. Uh, but I think the Niners are going to blow out the Cowboys. Okay. Um, I think the Niners are a better team in pretty much every category, uh, including coach. I think he is one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I think McCarthy is not, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, obviously they're, they've, they've won plenty of uh, games this year and they can't give those back. Uh, but I think the Niners blow them out. All right. Close us down, Chase. Uh, I'm also going with the Cowboys or, or sorry, with the Niners. Um, <laughs> Clean sweep. Okay. I'm going with the Niners. Um, I saw someone say that uh, the Cowboys can't have two good things in a row happen to them. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of agree. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think they're just kind of due for a dud. Um, yeah. And it's just, yeah, I, I got the Niners. I think Shanahan's going to have a really good plan. So, Yep. Um, very impressed with the Niners. Semi-rooting for them, I will say. Although I've never been a Cowboys hater, so it won't hurt my feelings if the Cowboys get out of the NFC. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd like one of those two teams to get out of the NFC if, if I had my druthers. In the AFC, to me, it's wide open. Can't wait to see what happens. Four really good matchups and really good games. Can't wait to watch them. And then can't wait to recap them with you guys next week. I know we're going to talk mostly Vikings defense next week, uh, but it will be fun to break down that divisional round weekend, which is typically, I think, the best uh, weekend of football the NFL has to offer every year is divisional round weekend. Uh, You're getting the typically um, the best teams, truly, that were the best teams throughout the course of the season. I think that's the case here uh, this year. So really fun weekend of football ahead. Uh, The three of us will prep hard for next week, everyone, as we uh, really drill down on the Vikings defense and offer some solutions and a plan of attack to improve that side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, let's close the show here, guys. Episode 18 and season one of the Wobcast 2.0 has come to a conclusion. It's been a great ride, and we're very excited for season two of the Wobcast 2.0. You can find all episodes in season one and all future episodes of the Wobcast 2.0 wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. You can find us on YouTube and please come find us on our social media channels, including mine at Wobby on Twitter. It's been a pleasure and it's going to be a pleasure continuing on behalf of Giles and Chase. This is Wobby signing off for now. Skull Vikings.